Hello, my name is Stuart Leakes, and I'm talking to John Full James, who is the director of Opranor's new production of Mozart's La Clemenza di Tito. Hello, John. Hello. So, La Clemenza di Tito, I think, is a particularly fascinating Mozart opera for lots of reasons, really. Um, it's a very late work. It was written in the last year of his life, 1791. Um, and it sort of comes at the end of a decade of, of seven big operas, uh, which uh, include a very serious piece of Domino at the beginning and uh, the famous De Ponte operas. Um, and of those seven, it's probably the one that's least often staged nowadays. I think there are really two reasons that the, the myth of... Uh, uh, Mozart's misfired opera, if you like, has has sprung up. I think the first is to do with the form of the opera. This is an opera seria. So Mozart um, was turning back to uh, an earlier form. Opera seria certainly wasn't dead when he was writing this piece, but it was in decline. Um, and I think the suggestion has often been made by musicologists that that he, he was no longer interested in opera seria, that his 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 kind of his arm was twisted behind his back by the offer of um, uh, a, a good commission fee, and he was a composer who was very poor, so he accepted something which his heart wasn't really in. I, I don't think the music bears that out. You know, I don't think that really stands stands up to to the test of a, a detailed examination of the score. But perhaps the other area in which the the myth making around the piece is strong is uh, is around the idea that this was a rushed job that Mozart didn't have time to, to fully engage with it, that uh, between, I think, the, the final commission and uh, the first night, there were maybe 10 days. So he, he was only able to write um, a series of uh, arias and um, a, a, a number of ensembles, but perhaps not as many uh, ensembles as he would have um, liked to write had he been making the structural changes to the art form, which um, we know were, were at the heart of his, his project. Um, from the, the, the De Ponte operas. So I think there's, there's a sense that this is perhaps an unfinished work. Uh, I find that in the rehearsal room, actually, that's really helpful, um, the sense that this, this piece isn't perfect. This piece uh, perhaps uh, needs, needs the intervention of a performance in order to bring it, bring it to life, somehow makes the act of, of rehearsing it and performing it easier. You know, I think there's nothing worse than feeling that you're dealing with the perfect masterpiece and therefore quite not knowing, not knowing where you should dare to tread. So we ought to just talk a little bit about more about this sort of opera seria uh, genre um, and the specifics of the text that Mozart was setting because it wasn't entirely wasn't an entirely new work, was it, from the textual point of view? No, that's right. There was an old libretto by Metastasio, which I think had been set 40 times already uh, by some very distinguished composers. I think there's a Clemenza di Tito by Gluck. Uh, but when Mozart gets his hands on it, he says, actually, this isn't quite my idea of opera seria. Uh, opera seria had a very formal structure. It was essentially a sequence of, of uh, recits and arias. There were very few ensembles, very few duets, no ensembles. And what Mozart did, working with Mazzola, was increase the, the, the number of ensembles, increase the way that the drama of the piece could happen within musical structures rather than outside musical structures. So the, the, the text, uh, what actually is the story then of the piece? 
or what's at stake in it? Really, the story is a story about uh, a leader, uh, Tito, an emperor. Um, and I, I think what's fascinating about the commission which Mozart gets is that it, it feels as if the occasion which it, this piece is commissioned for is exactly right for this text. Um, you know, the debate in the piece is about leadership. What do we want from a leader, from, a, from an emperor, from a prime minister, from a dictator? You know, what's, what's the right sort of leader? How should that person be? Uh, how should they marry their, their personal emotional life with their political public life? Uh, what's the relationship between those two things? At the start of the piece, Tito feels like a, a new emperor. He feels like an emperor who surrounded himself uh, with his friends. It feels like his circle of advisors and ministers is the same as his circle of friends. Uh, in that sense, he's, he's perhaps made some rather uncanny, rather immature political choices. And I think the, the journey he goes on through the piece is uh, becoming a much cannier politician. But in doing that, it feels... I guess this is a question, it feels as if the risk is that he sacrifices part of, part of his humanity. Because it's a really fascinating question about the piece, in a sense, isn't it? it you know, as we've, we've established, it was written for the coronation of Leopold II uh, in Prague in September 1791. Um, Leopold had succeeded his brother Joseph, who was a famous sort of reforming force in a limited way. Uh, you know, he was trying to model, become the model of the Enlightenment despot, I suppose. Um, and Leopold, of course, comes to power at an extremely um, sensitive time. You know, 1791, it's two years since the French Revolution. Um, his sister was Marie Antoinette, and the very summer of 1791, she and her husband, Louis XVI, had tried to escape from Paris to Austria and failed to do so. So, the, the background to this piece and the question of what sh a good leader should be is, is absolutely in the air, isn't it? Yes, and clearly in writing an opera for a coronation celebration, it's essential that it uh, is affirmative about the idea of kingship. Uh, and, you know, there's no question, I think, that this piece is saying uh, uh, leadership can be good, a kingship can be good, emperors can be good, but, and you know, this is where Mozart puts in the knife and turns it. He's saying, look how hard it is to be a good emperor. Yes, yeah, so, so, yes, and indeed Tito is, is a, a ruler who finds, finds himself facing a, a number of challenges, doesn't he? Yes, and those challenges really come about because he is both the emotional centre as well as the political centre of uh, the story. Uh, in, a, in a sense, somebody who, who acts as the centre of both those, those worlds is, is what makes the story unique. The opera begins when Tito has to send away the love of his life, Berenice. He, he had tried to marry this, this foreign princess, but realises that uh, to marry a foreigner is politically impossible. And so he, he, at the start of the opera, compromises himself emotionally uh, by, by sending her away and saying, oh, I'll marry a local girl, but I, you know, I don't really care who it is. Um, and from that point, really, he's, he's in emotional freefall. So then as uh, his friends fall and betray him, uh, he's left increasingly isolated. It's fascinating, actually, you know, to hear you, you saying all of that, because, of course, 
you know, in this piece, we've, we've, got a, we've got an opera that was written in the late 18th century and, and as we've said, against a, a very um, turbulent political background, ostensibly it's set in ancient Rome. And yet what you're describing there could be, you know, a description of any number of contemporary leaders, couldn't it? Yes, and I guess that's the crucial thing about myth in that it resonates across time, you know, that at its core there's a story which is universal, uh, which, which is perhaps a, a un, another identifying thing of opera seria. Mm. I, I think when Mozart was looking back to ancient Rome, I don't think he was interested in history. You know, I don't think he was, he was interested in what happened in Rome. I think he was rather taking that as a source of myth. So, for you and for your, the, the, the creative team uh, behind this production, um, what approach have you taken to the piece? What kind of um, what kind of world are you, you you establishing for it to make it live for a contemporary audience? I think we've tried to create a world which uh, resonates with ancient Rome. It resonates with. Uh, Europe in the 18th century, and it resonates with with the UK, with Leeds now in the, the 21st century, and that somehow we have to create our own universe um, in which a period isn't really relevant. You know, this this piece exists in its own bubble, if you like. Um, that bubble, of course, could be Rome, the city-state. That bubble could be uh, the, the palace, you know, the state rooms, the cabinet rooms where you can imagine Tito and his inner circle meeting. Or indeed that bubble could be even smaller. You know, in a sense the state exists only in the mind and um, the rooms which we're exploring are in, in, in the attic of Tito's, Tito's head. <laughs> 